Hello, 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 hello. Hello, test. Uh, hello, hello. <laughs> I do that purposely. I just do that to get you. Bad scene. Uh, I just, uh, you know, that kind of... Hey, listen, uh, I have a special announcement here for those of you people who are scientific-minded. Uh, uh, have you ever heard of Operation Stomp? Any of you know about Operation Stomp? Well, I've been following it with a great deal of interest because, in a, in a sense, I'm... Uh, Let's put it this way, I'm uh, deeply involved. I received the notification that uh, I have been elected honorary national chairman of the Operation Stomp Foundation. And it was a nip-and-tuck battle to determine who would be the uh, uh, the uh, national honorary chairman. And uh, I just beat out Joyce Brothers, Dr. Joyce Brothers, by four votes. And, uh, boy, there was a lot of unpleasantness, too, when the, you know the final voting came out. But nevertheless... Operation Stop is a program that was organized last spring, and uh, it's a gigantic effort to conduct a massive seismologic experiment. You know what seismology is? It's a research into earthquakes. The whole point of it is, at exactly 3 p.m., we want 50 to 80 million people to leave their feet in a gigantic leap upward, one jump, and at 3 Oh, 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 seven. In other words, how long it takes you to go to the top of your jump, to the bottom of your jump. We want all those people to hit the ground at one shot. Boom! Like that, see? Well, uh, we hope that the combined stomps will cause a minor earth shake detectable by a seismograph. Now, we want to say before we, you know, go any further with this, I don't want any of you to get alarmed out there. We do not wish to destroy the world, which is the impression that many people have about the foundation. There's been a lot of nasty mail. We got the terrible letter from a John Birch chapter up a place called Rabbit Hockey. They just, uh, you know, the whole communist plot, the whole bit, you know. We, you know what they felt? They felt that jumping up and down like that could conceivably break the United States in a big split in half. And uh, you know what that would be. That would just, you know, next thing you know, you got one country over floating around somewhere off South America, down around Castro, and, and uh, you know, another, another country floating over by uh, China or Japan or a place like that. Oh, you know, that's in. Anyway, uh, at this moment, uh, we would like to report that there has been a tremendous number of people who have taken an interest in this. And I want to, uh, Jim, you're, you're the type who would be interested in this. Uh, I have been uh, elected the honorary national chairman of the Operation Stomp Foundation, uh, because the uh, first one was such an unqualified success. I mean, you know, we absolutely rocked New Jersey to its foundations. Uh, we're having a second Operation Stomp. It's Operation Stomp Series 2, or Mark 7, and uh, it will be November 30th by public acclaim. It'll be November 30th at 3 p.m. And uh, we're looking forward to it because we feel this time we might be able to reach all the way to Pennsylvania. In fact, I'm, I'm, no, I'm serious. I, I think that if, if we could get enough people, for example, uh, you know, people don't know their own physical strength. We always talk about the strength of the human mind. We discuss that all the time. But we never discuss the actual uh, strength of the human body and weight. In other words, how many people are in the earth right now? Figure out how many people are living now at this moment. How much does the combined weight of mankind total? It's a lot of weight. I mean, that's a lot of people. Now, just think what we could do. 
Let's say if on uh, a Saturday afternoon, let's say at uh, 2 o'clock, we assembled, say, uh, 40,000 people on the center span of the George Washington Bridge. And all at once, we, we started to swear forth, first towards the downtown side of Manhattan, then towards the uptown side. You know, one, two, back and forth. I'll tell you, within 15 minutes, we'd all be in 200 feet of water, just like that, which, by the way, would show the Port Authority, wouldn't it? All those 50 cents. I still say that the, that the only town, this is the only town in the country, Jim, that charges uh, admission. You can't get into this town free. I mean, there's no way. And not only that, what's worse, they charge you to leave. That's even worse. That, that's a real insult. You come into town, they steal your hubcaps. You know, somebody hits you on the back of the head, and you, you get a couple of bad meals, and then you got to pay 50 cents to leave. And that's just a final, ultimate thing. But nevertheless, I feel that if we got, say, hmm, 15,000 people, just, uh, it's just the uh, conservative, and uh, 15,000 of us, from, uh, got on one side of the Empire State Building and pushed. Just pushed on one side. Boy, would that be exciting. Can't you see? <laughs> I'm serious. Can't you see the Empire State Building tilting and all the people yelling and hollering, Gabe Pressman out there with his microphone trying to figure out what's going on? And the next thing you know, all those guys over in uh, Queens, they can see it coming down. Help! Here it comes! At the... Uh, one terrific TV show. Uh, I felt, uh, of course, this operation stomp. A lot of you are going to take it lightly. Well, I don't think you're going to take it so lightly. The next thing you know, you feel Hackensack heaving up and down under your feet, and uh, <laughs> which wouldn't surprise you. <laughs> a lot of people feel that Paramus has been sinking into the mud for years anyway. But nevertheless, I feel that, uh, that a lot of scientific experiments of this type should be conducted by man. Uh, I've, I've, uh, I've wondered, say, if you got, uh, let's say if you got 1,000 people all at once, 10,000, 100,000, even better, maybe 500,000 all at once, and put them in the desert and gave each one a shovel and told them to start digging, how big would the hole be if everybody dug at a normal rate of digging for, say, five hours? How big would the hole be at the end of five hours? And uh, if so, would we permanently change the face of the globe? Permanently, so that uh, 2,000 years from now, people coming there and looking over this place would see that once there was a 20th century man, he did this. You know that as you fly over England, for example, uh, you can see the ancient excavations of the Romans. You actually can. And you can see where they built a wall, or there were places where the houses were. Now, uh, that is how many years? Well, that's, let's see, that's, well, that's well over, that was before World War I. That was a long time ago. And uh, sure, it was a terrible long time. And I, I just say that a lot of things that we do today are ignored. Now, now for example, how many times do you drive past this dump over here on the, the Jersey Turnpike? By the way, that is the most publicly accessible, one of the most colorful dumps in the world. Uh, as an old, I'm an old aficionado of city dumps. I love city dumps or something. Of course, you know, I'm basically an anthropologist of trivia, of scut. And uh, my anthropology doesn't run to the official types, like trying to discover the Temple of Zeus outside of uh, Elyria, Ohio, anything like that. It, uh, it's more concerned with kitchen middens. You know, 
You know, what is it, a kitchen mitten? You know what that is, Jim? Kitchen mitten? Well, most people think they're these mittens that you used to take uh, meatloafs out of the ovens with, but that isn't a kitchen mitten. It's kitchen mitten, not mitten. A kitchen mitten is what you throw out. I mean, like potato peelings and, uh, you know, old uh, tuna salad cans and stuff like that. You throw all the stuff out. That's called kitchen mittens. And, in fact, uh, any anthropologist, uh, particularly if he's a social anthropologist, spends a great deal of time fooling around in garbage uh, things that the cavemen had, for example. You know that they, they have garbage heaps that the cavemen had? And they dig through them, and they find that the cavemen were hung on shellfish. Uh, they really liked clams. And uh, I, I, no, they did. They, they had clams all the time. There was no stopping them. Uh, and these are called kitchen mittens. Now, if you drive along the Jersey Turnpike, all that stuff out there alongside the Jersey Turnpike, those are all kitchen mittens of our area. Now it's now you're starting to think about it, okay? So now every time you drive past the Jersey Turnpike, you know you're driving along there, and on your left, those you know those railroad tracks. Let's say you're driving south on the Turnpike, see, and on your left there's this fantastic railroad track. You see those trains going along there, see? <laughs> you're booming along, see the smoke and the crud, and a great big semi tractor goes past you. You're being honked at by a Greyhound bus, and they're leaving the driving to you, you see. There you go. You know you know what? Over tea kettle into a ditch because he's... And you're driving along. Fantastic. Hold it there. That's enough. That's enough. Well, yeah, you get the idea. Hey, by the way, isn't that, isn't that a great reproduction of turnpike driving in this area? Get, get ready with that again. It's, it's, uh, this is the way it sounds. You know, the sounds of our time are rarely talked about. Uh, when people think of the sounds of our time, they always talk about rock singers. Uh, or they'll talk about uh, uh, the more obvious. They'll talk about some concert or electronic music. But these are all self-conscious. I mean, uh, people create this stuff. So those, those are not the sounds of our times. Those are the sounds of uh, people being self-conscious and creating sounds. But the real people sounds... The real stuff. Now, here, for example, you're, you're, you've just come past exit 12 on the turnpike, right? And there's this, this train is roaring along on your left, saying, ah, It's roaring. There goes another semi pass. You've just gone under an underpass now, and I exit 15, and there's Newark off to the left. And you see a big jet engine plane, a big four-engine 707 coming in. Another Greyhound goes by. That's the way it sounds on a Saturday afternoon in Jersey. And uh, off to your right, of course, the dumps are smoking. You can smell this. You can smell the car bodies burning and all the old tires burning and 15 million piled, thousand million pounds of uh, potato peelings and coffee grounds are burning up over there, and Secaucus is smelling away off over the horizon. And uh, once again, another big greyhound goes roaring by you. There goes that train again. Ooh, 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 ooh. Sounds of our times. That's far more the sound of our time than anything Bob Dylan can ever cook up. So long, gang. <laughs> hey, shoo, Magoo. Hey, uh, speaking of the sounds of our times. Oh, 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 oh
Hey, you know, uh, I've wondered why some band, I'm talking about some, you know, like a jug band or a, uh, or a, say like a Dixie crew or even a rock band, it doesn't make a, uh, a series of things based on music that is so totally familiar to people that they don't even think about it. You know, and do it up full electronic, you know, you know, and then people uh, are hollering at echo chambers and the whole bit, and then you can have the palace. And now that's a song. You, uh, how many? You, it is so totally New York, the Palisades song. Ever since I've come to New York, I've heard that thing. That it's it's just so much part of New York that you don't even recognize it any longer as New York. You know, I'll tell you when when you go out of town, when you go to even a big city, you go to a place like Chicago or you go to uh, Los Angeles or a place like that, that all the things that make up a city that you miss, that you don't even know you miss, are all kinds of silly things like that. Like you turn on the radio, for example, and you hear all these strange voices. <laughs> you don't know who any of them are. Just a totally uh, alien voices, and they're always on the phone. If you notice that and when you get out of town... They got 17 million of these lousy phone shows. Boy, those were some of the most boring shows in the world. But uh, you hear it, you hear it. Well, now, I'll tell you, Manny, I want to say this, Manny. I sure love your show, Manny, and uh, it's one of the most greatest shows I ever heard. Yes, would you please get on now with your question? Well, I'll tell you, Manny, before I've been trying to call you now for over a year, and you got a great show, Manny, a great show. You know that other guy that was on the air the other night that said he had been to Venus? Well, I want to add something to that, you know. I got this aunt uh, who believes in fortune tellers. And the other day, Manny, uh, she went to this fortune teller, Madame Rosaza, and uh, she took the fortune teller thing there with the tea leaves. You know how that works, Manny? Uh, yes, please. Would you get out with the please? We have other calls. Yeah, well, okay, Manny. I'll tell you. And uh, she took this test, see. And when you know them tests work, you know, with the tea leaves, Manny, how do you work? Yes, would you uh, please get out with your question? What is your question, sir? Yeah, well, I'm getting to that, Manny. Uh, 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 I'm getting to that, Manny. You see, uh, is there somebody else on the line? Uh, 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 uh. Hey, uh, who's that? Uh, would you please turn your radio down, sir? Your radio is uh, is causing feedback. Please turn it down. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot, Manny. <laughs> yeah, all the people on the radio <laughs> makes a pretty sound. Well, uh, I'd say uh, I was saying to my aunt, see, her name was uh, Clara. I said to Aunt Clara the other day, uh, Aunt Clara, uh, what did the fortune teller tell you? Well, you, you wouldn't believe this, uh, Manny. I, I, I want to tell you what she, what she said. You, you want to know what she said? Uh -huh. You want to know? Uh -huh. You want to know? Uh, yes, please. Would you uh, please tell us what she said? We have other questions. Remember, the uh, topic for today, folks, is whether or not uh, the international relationships with Peru are worsening or are they improving under the Nixon administration. Uh, yes, sir. Would you continue with your question? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I'll tell you, uh, uh, man. Uh, uh, what'd you say about Peru there? Huh? What was it about Peru? Uh, uh, well, uh, I'll tell you. I want to get back to the story. Uh, I, you know, I talked my aunt uh, Clara, and uh, uh, you know, her name is Clara. You ever know anybody named Clara, Manny? Huh? Uh, uh, would you please, sir, get on with your question? Uh, uh, before we uh, have our next question, sir, would you hold on a moment, sir? Uh, are you still there, sir? Yeah, yeah, I'm right there. I'm still here. <laughs> uh, yeah. Would you please turn your radio down, sir? It's causing feedback. Oh, uh, what do you say, feeding? Uh, you said feeding time where? At the zoo? I never go. Uh, click.
That's the uh, end of American radio for now. And uh, <laughs> didn't it sound like those things? But uh, uh, then there's always this type of guy that gets on. Uh, uh, hello, uh, hello, uh, hello there, hello, uh, uh, I'm on the air, hello, 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 uh, yes sir, you're on the air now, oh, oh, uh, hello, uh, hello, am I on the air, uh, hello, hello, yes sir, you're on the air, oh, 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 uh, is this, uh, is this Big Charlie, uh, is this Big Charlie, yes, this is Big Charlie, and this is the Big Charlie Show, coming to you from K-L-N-U-C-K, we call it the Big Clunk, in the middle of the dial, this is Big Charlie, now sir, what, do you have a question? Ah, uh, yes, uh, Big Charlie, uh, you know, uh, you hear, uh, Big Charlie, uh, 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 uh well, uh, uh, what I, what I want to say, uh, uh, well, uh, you, you hear about, uh, about those, uh, what do they call them, uh, uh, heppies? Yeah, you heard about, uh, them heppies, uh, uh, no, sir, I think you're, I think you mean, the word is hippie, sir. Uh, hippies. It's the Big Charlie show, folks. And this is Big Charlie. <laughs> yeah, it's old Big Charlie here. Uh, uh, sir, the word I think you're referring to is hippies. Is that not correct? Hippies. Uh, uh, yeah, 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 uh, uh, Big Charlie. Uh, it's uh, hippies. Uh, hippies? Did you say hippies? Uh, yeah, yeah, hippies. I think uh, all up guys, uh, all up, uh, well, uh, all them guys walking around with a long hair. Uh, well, uh, I, I say what what them guys need, uh, Big Charlie. I, I can't figure it out. Everybody writes about them, uh, you know, in the magazines, you know. They, they write about them, you know. And uh, they always say, uh, what uh, what uh, can you do about them, uh, you know. Uh, I've been thinking about that a lot, you know. Every time I go down to the brickyard, I work at the brickyard, you know. I work down there at... Uh, I never miss your show, you know, Big Charlie. All the guys talk about it down there, and they say it's uh, it's uh, you got you get all those uh, wonderful opinions about everything. You know, I believe people should uh, should think about all the things. And I I said uh, uh, to to my friend, I got this friend Louie. Uh, Ashley's name is Lewis, but we call him Louie, you know. And uh, well, you know how the guys kid around and. Uh, and uh, I said to Louie the other day, I said, you know what they ought to do with them uh, hippies? Uh, hippies? Hippies? You say it's hippies, uh, Big Charlie? Yes, uh, the word is hippies, sir. It's, it's an I. Hippies instead of happies. Uh, I believe uh, hippies were followers of uh, Benny Goodman. Uh, by the way, folks, this is the Big Charlie Show. And uh, you call this number now if you have any other things to add to our interesting discussion tonight about uh, what is... Uh, happening in international problems relation to, to Peru. Uh, you've all read about that. Now, excuse me, sir, would you go on with the, what you were saying? Oh, yeah, yeah. I thought you was talking to me first. Uh, you're on the radio, aren't you, uh, Charlie? Uh, um, you know, I can hear you coming through here. You know, it's funny, I can hear you. There. It's out there in the garage. you got the radio on. And, uh, oh, no, that's the... No, 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 that's the... That's the Big Fred Show I got on out there. I got the, the Big Fred Show. I listened to him in the garage and, uh, I got you on in the basement. <laughs> I always listen to them shows. And, uh, and, uh, I was talking to uh, Agnes. Uh, that's uh, that's this, this babe I know works down at the, uh, well, I shouldn't call her that. She's actually an old lady. Works down there at the, uh, at the Bluebird Diner, you know. And I said to her, you ought to listen to the Big Charlie show. It's a real good show. He's got the, he really can think good. He, he says he's always got a good thing to say about everything. <laughs> 
That's the way you are, you know, Charlie. Well, anyway, Charlie, I was saying about them hippies, you know. I said this. I said to Louie the other day, I can't why they are having so much trouble what to do with them, you know? You know, I think, Charlie, yes, yes, I've read those articles, yes. Well, yeah, I figure you did. You read everything. You know, you must read a lot, you know. I, I, always, uh, I wish I had more time to read. Uh, I read, uh, did you ever read the National Enquirer? I read the National Enquirer. You know, they have a lot of them good stories about stuff. Like the other day, there was a story about this lady that uh, killed seven guys and put them in a bathtub, and they soaked them with uh, kerosene, you know, and they uh, boiled them up, and they made soap. Uh, now, that kind of stuff, you see, that's good. They're bringing that stuff out. You know, that stuff should be stopped. And I I, uh, I said, you know, to Louie the other day, I said, Louie, you never know when some babe's going to hit you on the head uh, down at the diner and make it a soap. Uh, and, uh, well, I'll tell you, well, uh, 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 hey, you're coming through the radio. I can hear you now. Uh, say, you're, you're real loud, Charlie. <laughs> Boy, hello, hello, hello. Hello, are you there, Charlie? Yes, uh, I'm still here. Uh, would you please get on, sir? Uh, this is the Big Charlie Show, folks, and uh, we're broadcasting to you 24 hours a day, nothing but wonderful blab from WKLNUCK, where we believe the Big Clunk brings you, please, that little echo chamber, the Big Clunk, 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 Big Charlie, Big Charlie, Big Charlie. It's news on the air every hour, 10 seconds of news every hour on the air. Thank you. And now, uh... Would you please uh, finish what you had to say there? Because we got a lot of calls, sir, waiting on the line. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Well, uh, about them hippies, uh, Charlie, uh, Big Charlie. You don't mind if I call you just Charlie, do you? you know? Well, about them hippies, Charlie, I'll tell you what they ought to do, you know? I, I, in fact, I'm thinking of writing to the paper, telling them about it. You know what them guys need? I'll tell you what they need. What they need is a bath. You ever think about that? You just give them a bath, you know. You give them a piece of soap and a, and a good haircut, and them guys, uh, uh, them guys will come around. That's that's the way I say, you know. <laughs> just give them a bath and a haircut, and, uh, and uh, well, uh, that's the way I figure it, you know. And, uh, and, uh... Yes, sir. Thank you very much, sir. Well, uh, that was another interesting call from along our vast listenership to the Big Charlie Show. And now let's take time out for 60 seconds. Hello, Big Charlie! Uh, Big Charlie, uh, I, I, uh, I just heard that man, uh, that, that, that man that just talked about the, uh, the hippies. Well, I, I, I want to add something to that, uh, Big Charlie. Yes, madam. Uh, would you uh, care to uh, turn your radio down? Oh, oh, yes, I can hear you. Uh, uh, hello, Charlie. Uh, say, hello, Big Charlie. Oh, uh, uh, yes, madam, you're on the air now. Oh, oh, oh I see. Uh, oh, okay. Well, I was saying to the girls the other day, I said to them that what they ought to do to these uh, hippies, uh, to people with the long hair, you know you can't tell one from the other. They're all the same. And they all smoke, uh, uh, they all uh, smoke, uh, what do they call it, marijuana. Uh, they smoke that marijuana. And I say this to you, Big Charlie, I say this, that if we can only get back to the original concepts of, uh, of the uh, founding fathers, if uh, we could only uh, realize that if George Washington were here today, that uh, he would be able to lead the youth in the path of righteousness. And in fact, uh, we have a young people, uh, a young people program, you know, Charlie. We have a young program <laughs> down at the church, and uh, we had, uh, well, we 
had six young people last week who came in. And, you know, we started out that we only had three in the beginning over two years ago. And so you can see it's growing by leaps. And I say to you this, Charlie, <laughs> uh, that, uh, that, uh, that the young people are looking for direction. And, uh, and I say that if they can learn to sing hymns and uh, do the things that uh, all of us who uh, really learned and made this country great what it is, that the young men should all spend some time in the Army. And, uh, and uh, I think all the young girls should learn to uh, cook and sew. And uh, I think it would be uh, uh, the young people, you know, they really are looking for direction, you know, Charlie. A lot of people don't know that. And uh, I say that they use, you spare the uh, rod. You've heard that, haven't you, Charlie? Uh, you spare the rod and you uh, uh, spoil the uh, broth. And uh, a lot of people don't uh, remember those wonderful old uh, wisdom, you see. Like my mother used to say, uh, she used to say, uh, Myrtle, that's my name, you know. She said, uh, Myrtle, uh, when you grow up, uh, there's going to be a lot of bad people you're going to see in life. But you just remember that, uh, that, uh, that God is on your side. And if you remember the things you were taught at Sunday school, that uh, everything will work out all right for you. And that just, just remember that. You know, I've never forgot that, Charlie. I've never forgot that. Thank you very much, madam. And now, uh, once again, uh, our number again is 6SJ7GT, 6SJ7GT. This is the Big Charlie Show. And uh, we want to hear from all of you folks out there, all of you folks that have got views on today's fast-changing world. This is W-K-L-N-U-C-K, the big clunk, right in the middle of the dial. The big, hey, hey, watch that echo chamber. Don't you ever turn away there. Uh, whenever you give the uh, station break here, you've got to have an echo chamber on it. Clunk, 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 How'd you like that? That was a pretty good little groovy station, wasn't it? Yes, sir. That's really what they call popular radio. That's for the the pimple, the acne, the pimple, the acne, and the blue hair set. Now, would you please hit that little thing there once again? Eins, right, right. Let's go. All together now, King. I just feel like a little flame.
<laughs> you like that, huh? Oh, I've wondered, you know. I just, uh, listening to this stuff, being, uh, as uh, Bert Park says so, indelibly. Uh, seriously, folks. Uh, <laughs> I've uh, wondered about the, the madhouse sometimes that we live in. I'm not talking about America. I'm just talking about the world. It is it is a total madhouse. Uh, and maybe it isn't, you know? Uh, I'm always amused with people like uh, Vonnegut. Uh, you know, everybody's talking about Kurt Vonnegut today. And uh, I've read Vonnegut for a long time. But he uh, he does not impress me. I'm talking about me. Uh, I'm not arguing with you. Uh, because I think a lot of people misunderstand the world. Now, this is my opinion. I think that the that what we call a madhouse is just the world. Now, that is assuming there's such a thing as a sane house. There can be no madhouse unless there is a sane house. And most people define sanity by acting the way they act. Or think the way they think. And uh, that would be a curious kind of madhouse. To me, that would be the ultimate madhouse if one had to think along a whole series of set and very concrete lines. And uh, I think most uh, most people, uh, I, I suspect this is one of the reasons why I, I find most many, many novels boring, because the novel all, quite often sets the, the writer, in a sense, off from the world, he, he himself, and the people who think like him, the good guys, they're the good guys. They really are the good guys. They uh, they would straighten everything out. It would be just beautiful if they, uh, somehow, it's all very nebulous, you see, what how this beauty would come about, but uh, it, it's very, very, not only nebulous, but it's almost gaseous. It's uh, it's like a, like a bit of ionization floating around the air, but they're always very distinct about what they consider nuttiness or madness. And yet, I find it very amusing. I would find the world an exceedingly boring place if it were sane. I really would. If it were a sane world, it would be a very discouraging world. That's, uh, that's, uh, that's just my... I'll just throw it out there for what it's worth. That, uh, that all the things that people think are so terrible in our world, I'm talking about... The world, not just America. You know, the trouble with most writers, uh, to me, is that they always seem to sort of imply that uh, that America is the world. They keep you know, talking about American society as if we're not part of mankind. This is ridiculous. Uh, they keep pretending that uh, we invented neon signs or we invented motels and so forth. I, I remember reading one writer here who was kind of sad the other day. He was sitting there. I was reading this thing, and he was talking about the pasted-on smiles of the airline stewardesses, and he was complaining about that. Have you ever read, have you ever ridden in a plane when the stewardesses were all angry? I have, and I want to tell you, it's much more, you see, because that's open-ended, you see. If you're a writer of that type, you would attack people for smiling, quote, a fake smile. You would even more attack them if they were angry all the time. You would say the grim, humorless people, <laughs> and so on. So it's this open-ended writing that I, I find kind of sad. Uh, and, and most of them, uh, what, what passes for humor in writing, 
is really not humor at all. To me, again, I must say to me, partly gimmickry. Maybe it's because I've done so much writing myself that I can see the technical tricks that a writer will pull and the obvious uh, reverses and switches that he will pull. Uh, it's the kind of stuff that even O. Henry would have been ashamed to write. But uh, this is the way it is. Now, uh, there are a lot of others I'm not just talking about. Vonnegut. And uh, any time I see a, uh, a novel that is emblazoned with the thing across the front that says, uh, a never-to-be-forgotten, scarifying expose of the chamber of horrors that the American... 20th century citizen lives in. Oh. <laughs> you know, come on. I mean, uh, I think it stems from something very deep in all of us, and I think it goes back, you don't mind if I get a little deepy here, hearing these telephone shows, which are sad and pathetic in one way, and uh, in the other way, they can be viewed as an ultimate piece of humor. Because when you hear the Vox Populi, you're amazed constantly at the banality of the voice of the people, the total banality. And and what's even sadder is the total banality of most people who attempt to interpret the world to us. Uh, it goes on and on. Uh, and I can, I can only feel at, at a certain point. I think that I've won a few spurs. I think I can... I have a few little... Uh, let's put it this way, bits of uh, background. I've played to probably uh, 2,000 audiences in my time, and I, I know a little bit about the way people act and think and what they laugh at and so forth. And I'm always uh, kind of sad when I, when I pick up novel after novel and read so-called deep uh, and incisive analyses of our time moment after moment that obviously stems from a misreading of life itself, a genuine misreading of life. And that includes a lot of critics. And I'm not trying to say that I'm a god. I'm not even attempting to say anything like that. But I'm just saying that, that it, just, it just always throws me a little that, uh, that it, it's implied that life was ever not a chamber of horrors. But then what is a horror? You have to analyze that. If, uh, to, to most of those writers, I guess life itself is the ultimate horror, which kind of is sad. You know, one of the reasons why I think so many of the uh, of, of the more popular novelists today spend a great deal of time attacking mothers, it's not really the Freudian sexual thing that Freud talked about. Of course, I think in his day it might have been. But I think that guys harbor, many people harbor a deep and abiding resentment for their mothers, particularly their mothers, and quite often their fathers, for the simple act of bringing them in the world, that they really basically hate life. And after all, who's responsible for their life? Who created it? Who caused it? And uh, I don't find uh, much yay saying. In fact, I find very few of these novelists have any humor, because you know, Humor is basically yay-say. All the way through Thurber, for example, you, you felt that life every last instant of it, even when he was blind and writing about it. You won't find that in Vonnegut. Oh, no. You won't find that in uh, Philip Roth. Not at all. 
Uh, you won't find that in uh, Bruce J. Friedman. Not at all. No, these people hate life. They really, the life itself they hate. Now, everybody, it's hard to admit you hate life. So you have to find a scapegoat. Your mother, society, uh, America. You go ahead and name any particular gigantic, enormous, soft, billowing, overstuffed target, and you run at it with your little rubber lance all day. But it's still not going to change anything, friend. Life is life is life is life. Just like the pigeons on the grass, friends, alas, are pigeons on the grass. And a rose is a rose is a rose, and a freedman is a freedman, and a vonnegut is a vonnegut. Alas, alas. <laughs>